I would like to welcome Writer Director Felix von Grunian, writer Luke Davies, producers Didi Gardner and Jeremy Kleiner, actors Timothy Chalamet and Steve Carell, and David Sheff and Nick Sheff. Thank you all for a stunning film. Um, I think I want to begin with Dee Dee and Jeremy, um, right at the beginning, the genesis of the film. I believe, Jeremy, you read an article in 2005 written by David for the New York Times magazine. That yeah. kind of sparked your interest to begin with. Yeah, um, thank you guys for coming to see the movie tonight. Uh, David Sheff wrote an amazing article uh, called My Addicted Son. It was later expanded into his memoir, Beautiful Boy. Nick wrote uh, a memoir called Tweak. And when Dee Dee and I read this material, we thought um, there was such bravery in it. There was such um, a willingness to, to share their experience and, and, um, and address things that um, I think a lot of people go through, but few, but people um, you know, suffer in silence, and, and um, there was something about bringing, bringing it out into the light that, was, that felt very brave and that felt like it was an opportunity to, to maybe push through some of the feelings of shame and some of the myths that surround um, the topic of, of addiction. And uh, on the other hand, uh, at the same time that there was this kind of very um, intense journey of, of going through an ordeal, there was also this very beautiful, life-affirming story of... Um, of a father and son who have an incredible commitment to each other that is sort of unwavering in the end. Um, and they, they believe in unconditional love. And, and it is a story of recovery. And, and we're, we're so lucky to have them you know, sitting with us here. Um, we're very grateful that they're here with us. Um, when did you take the decision to combine both memoirs into the film? From the beginning, <clears throat> really, I, it, it was an interesting uh, thing that we faced, which was Oh, the idea that you could, it was very holistic to the narrative, the idea that you would have both sides of, one, of, a, of, a, of an experience. And, and the movie we wanted to make was one that started and ended in a place of truth. And what more um, natural a thing could you start from, from have, but two memoirs that told about an experience from both sides. So it was really from the very beginning. Um. Felix, when did you become involved? Um, so, uh, five years ago, more or less, I had, I had this film called Broken Circle Breakdown, and it, it did well on the festival circuit. Uh, it's a Belgian movie, I come from Belgium, and uh, so I was spending a lot of time in Los Angeles promoting the movie, and, and, and Jeremy and Didi had seen it, and um, I went over to meet them, and they pitched this project, these two books, and I immediately thought it was, yeah, a very unique thing to combine two books. Uh, never really been done before. Um, when I read the books um, and met David and Nick, I felt an immediate connection to to that family, what they go through. I, I could really relate to to Nick as a teenager. I, I thought David was an incredible dad. Um, you know, there were so many things that really spoke to me. Everything that Jeremy said about about you know how society looks upon addiction too, and and what we can learn from this story. Uh, that spoke to me very much as well. I, I've seen as many people, I assume, in this room even, uh, addiction from afar and nearby to in my family. 
uh, members, family members have suffered and, and I've seen people being impacted by it and realized when I read the books that I, I and my family in the past didn't have the tools to really deal with it. And although this family also has to come to terms with the fact that there are no easy answers when it comes to addiction, um, they, it was just such an inspiring story uh, to see them uh, fight their way through it, um, struggle their way through it, and get through it. Um, I'm really curious in the non-linear fashion of it, similar to the broke circle breakdown in the way how you know memories are not linear and how we think about certain aspects in our life are not linear. And I want to talk to both of you in terms of the script and how you work that into it and if it came from a script point of view or if it came later in the edit and how kind of that impacted the way you told the story. Uh, it's really started from the script and then you, you know, and then you have to sort of rethink it a bit in the edit. Um, but it, I mean, we always had this idea of using these flashbacks. The, the, the books are just so rich. Um, uh, so many beautiful moments uh, of Nick growing up. There was so much, you know, that, that, that made sense to take, you know, to, to be part of the story because David is on this journey where he's questioning himself, where he's, uh, thinking, what could have I done better? Um, uh, where, he, where he also is reminded of really beautiful moments uh, as he is losing his son, as he's trying to understand, get grip of this, on the situation. Um, so it, it was uh, uh, part of the, uh, the way we built the script, and you can um, mm. get back to that. But, but it was, in the edit, we, we refined it. We had to rethink some things and really get the emotional logic of the movie and not the, the sometimes more cerebral approach of the script as it often goes. So Lucas, this is almost a, over a decade on from Candy, which is about addiction, about a young man's point of view of addiction. <clears throat> Were you nervous to come into it to do a film again about addiction? And if, if not, how did you tackle kind of the subject matter, but from two different viewpoints this time? Well, I was not only nervous about re-approaching a film about addiction, but I, it's, it's, it's improbable that I'm sitting here other than a weird random accident that happened because I decided not to, I, I, there was a chance of getting this job and I made a decision not to, not to go for it. My agent gave me the books, I read the books, I appreciated their power and their authenticity and uh, because of Candy, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to make a strategic decision to do with my career to say no to this uh, job. I was, I was really broke too, so I could have done with the job. <laughs> but I just thought, uh, I, I'll, something else will happen. And my agent said, okay, well, uh, I support you, but you should still take the meeting with these guys because Plan B is a really good company and you should just get to know them. And the week of that meeting was the week that Philip Seymour Hoffman died. And um, I had had, during my addiction in my 20s, a really problematic relationship with my dad. And when I wrote the novel Candy and the screenplay Candy, there is no father-son relationship in it because I just found it too difficult to deal with. That situation has healed over the years. So my dad knew that Candy released in Ber at the Berlin Film Festival in 2006, and the Candy people and the Capote people went to dinner one night. So I had this lovely dinner with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Heath Ledger, both there. And um, <clears throat> yeah. both, sad, both wonderful people and both sadly departed. 
So jump forward all those years, Philip Seymour Hoffman dies, and the night before the meeting with Jeremy, my dad sends me an email, random, out of the blue, which says, I suppose you heard Philip Seymour Hoffman died. That's really sad. I remember the stories you told me about having dinner in, in Berlin. Luke, sometimes I feel this family is so blessed. And it was my dad's way of saying, I get that you could die too. I get that relapse is one decision away, you know? And um, uh, the, the email just made me cry. And then it was literally 12 hours later, I was going in to meet Jeremy. And my mind started to go, oh, that's an, maybe that's a message that I should be thinking about actually trying to go for this job and put my heart into it. And that's what happened. That's why I'm here, because that happened. Things have a way of working out. In a weird way, yes. Um, I just wanted to talk to you both as well, and to Nick and David, about the adaptation of the memoirs and how you, or perhaps all four of you, if you had worked together, or you know, did you present kind of draft to the, of the script ever? Was there a dialogue consistently all the way through, kind of adapting? I feel that there were there were um, incredibly. Uh, generous in trusting us with their story. Uh, I think it helped that they knew my work and Luke's work and, and, and films Jeremy and Didi had made. Um, but we also, when we, when we met, it was, it was a, a beautiful meeting and so there was a lot of trust and they, um, they let us do our thing, I believe. I, you know, they, they are writers, they do, they did know that it was gonna be a journey. Um, and then they read a couple, of, I think you guys read most drafts, which we presented and we talked them through, which was really nice. Um, but for me as a director, it was really amazing to see how organically they um, led us into, our, into their lives. Um, I visited David in his house in Marin and we talked about a lot of things and, and I met Nick too, we became really good friends and, and so organically they uh, I got an insight into the beautiful love in their family, the unconditional love, and, and the artistry. Uh, Karen's work is part of this movie. The, 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 the artwork you see in this movie is, is from, from David's wife. And uh, Jasper, who has worked on the set uh, as a PA, uh, he drew the, uh, the journal that, uh, that David in the... In the and the film is going through so organically, really, I, I think we, we, we uh, by letting us into their lives, we, we were able to get close to the essence of, of what their family is. I, I hope. <laughs> um, Steve. Yes. So, um, talking about getting close to the essence of what that family is, um, how much of, did you kind of rely on perhaps talking to David or on the memoir Beautiful Boy? And did you kind of use both the tweak and Beautiful Boy as reference points? Or did you want to go in perhaps just with the script to begin with? I, uh, well, I first read the script and then I read both books. And not to sound crass, but having those books as resources was invaluable. I mean, it, their lives are so honestly presented in such a raw way. Um, when I met David for lunch before we, sh we started shooting, it, uh, it wasn't a, a lunch to try to pry information out of him or to observe him like some sort of science experiment or you know figure out how he moves or how he talks or any of those things because 
that wasn't what we were planning the depiction to be for either of us. Um, it was more to glean a sense of who he is as a man and as a dad and, you know, all of the things that I had read in the book came through in, in meeting him in person. He's very generous and kind and warm and courageous, really, to let all of these people take this um, very personal story. And uh, he just handed it over to a group of strangers, uh, an enormous leap of faith. But uh, yeah, that's how, that, that, that was like the extent of the research with, with David himself. Um, you must have had to go to a really tough, different place to kind of your, to like, you know, the normality of being a father in your everyday life. And could you lean into being a father or did you have to disassociate that part of yourself? I, there wasn't any reason to disassociate myself from it because that's, I think that's what defines me more than anything else in my life is that I'm a dad. And as a new dad, I think Felix can, you can agree with that. It's, uh, it, it changes everything and it gives everything context. And um, when, I, when I read all this material, starting with the script, I was obviously moved by it and uh, and related to it, it's the most terrifying thing in the world. It's, as soon as you become a parent, all you do is worry about your kids. And the thought of them spiraling out of control with uh, no recourse on your part is, is, is the, the worst possible thing imaginable. Um, and Timothy, in that spiraling out of control in your depiction of Nick, in the sheer physical and mental transformation, it seems like it's a marathon. How did you kind of you know, how did you work with Felix to kind of build the different, you know, the polarized points of your personality, different intersections in the film? You know, I think, like you said, it's two poles. And uh, a disclaimer, we were coming from a premiere, so I wouldn't ideally wear this. To <laughs> 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 But there's like, the, the thing I kept in mind doing this was look for the light at all times. And that to me seemed to be the crux of the movie. It's what is disturbing, I think, as um, an audience member when you read the books, how beautifully David describes his love for his son, um, is that you have on one hand somebody who's burgeoning as a youth and seems like he has a, you know, a, a full life ahead, and on the other hand is spinning out in a totally unrecognizable way and with substances that literally have no natural properties as you describe it in the book. And, um, and, uh, and, and I think as, a, as an actor, as a young actor, that was daunting, that feeling of like, oh man, if people that have gone through this watch this and call bullshit on it, that's gonna be a transgression of sorts. But in spending time with Nick, in spending time with uh, the material, the books, and trying to research it, that was the lens into it and the realization I had about addiction, you know, it's a very, it's the most, it's a, it's a, it's the most, it's a human thing. Um, I felt like the, the, the bridge I crossed was realizing, okay, I don't have to play a drug addict, whatever that would mean for <clears throat> like a, an actor who's being masochistic and feels like he has to take himself very seriously, but rather play a human who went through a crazy circumstance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that helped me feel, and then I'll shut up, but Steve and I were talking about this before, like a lot of your work, I think, as an actor is you do a lot of research, you try to imbue it fully into your system, and then when it comes time to doing it, you kind of let go and you, and, you, and you hope it lives. And, uh, and I was really lucky to be working with Felix, and when you trust your director, when you like your director's other movies, 
And there's a movie called Broken Circle Breakdown that I'm sure people here have seen that hit a similar tone to this movie. I felt like, okay, I'm in great hands. Like, you can trust and, and see, what, see what happens. I think what's particularly incredible about the film is it takes away all your natural bias of people affected by addiction, Every, or kind of our preconceived notions of what an addict or who an addict is or where they come from or what their background is. And so for David and Nick, kind of both of your memoirs being the starting point Am I correct in thinking that you both wrote completely separately without knowing that each one was keeping a memoir? Yeah, I, I mean, we actually, the way the books came about was, uh, like Jeremy was saying, my dad first wrote an article uh, in the New York Times Magazine um, about having a son who was a crystal meth addict. And at that time, I'd been sober for about a year and a half, and I'd written some online, uh, some short stories for an online magazine. And so an editor from a publishing company contacted me and asked if I would maybe be interested in writing my story. And at the same time, separately, um, my dad's editor you know, talked to him about maybe expanding his article into a book. Um, so we both started writing. We knew the other person was writing. Um, but halfway through writing my book, um, I ended up uh, relapsing really, really terribly. And um, halfway through writing my dad's book, he had like a brain hemorrhage. So um, both of us kind of were just off on our different um, paths. and. Um, when I uh, got sober, finally, I, I got sober on my own, and I had um, not talked to my dad for about a year. And all through that time, I'd been writing, finishing my book. And when we started talking again, um, you know, I had finished my book, and he'd finished his. So we sent them to each other, and we read them, and it was just an amazing experience. I mean, brutal and horribly difficult. But um, you know, I just think that being able to see through my dad's eyes everything that he'd gone through, and for him being able to see you know, through my eyes what I'd gone through, it was just in incredible and um, really helped us to sort of heal. And also just enabled us to have these amazing, once the books came out, we had these amazing conversations with people all over the country, I mean, all over the world. And so, you know, with the movie coming out, we just wanted to sort of have that happen, but on an even bigger scale. And the fact that we get to go around now, talk to people about these issues that affected our family, tell people that there is hope and that, you know, that it's possible to live a really amazing life even after going to these depths. Uh, is just like, we're so grateful for that. So thank you guys for giving us that opportunity. David, after being so completely honest and open in your book, were you a little bit nervous about that being adapted and kind of then perhaps reaching an even bigger audience with this film? Uh, I, was, I was very nervous, and I think that there are um, you know, the people sitting here are the reason that um, uh, I went forward in the first place. Um, uh, uh, Jeremy and uh, Didi here um, are, you know, you probably know, but they've made some of the best films that we've seen in the last decade. They made 12 Years a Slave, they made uh, Selma, they made Moonlight. And, um, uh, you know, when you're in the hands of people that are artists like that, and then they brought in, you know, Felix, and Felix is, you know, we. I watched Broken Circle Breakdown and his earlier movies, The Misfortunates, and all of his movies, and they are they're works of art. They're true works of art. And, uh, and then when Felix and, um, and Luke worked on the script, and then, of course, you know, when, I mean, how more honored can a person be to have, you know, uh, Steve Carell? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what can I say? Well, I, I can think of a few <laughs> things <laughs> that are a not, little bit more of an honor than that. Not me. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, I mean, you know, this genius actor right next to me. I mean, the point there is that, um, 
it was terrifying, but in the hands of, you know, we sort of at one point, I realized these people are amazing. And uh, I'm try it, you know, Felix is the one who used the word first about trust, and it always about trust. And it was once we went to that point, it was like, you know, go for it. You know, this is, uh, um, I can't wait to see, you know, what, what you come up with. I think we've got time for a couple of audience questions. We've, can we get a mic here, please? I just want to congratulate you all on a very reflective movie that is, I think is going to open a dialogue on the addiction and everything. So I thank you all for that. David and Nick, inspiration. Congratulations. Great to see you here. Um, Felix, I just wanted to question about the postscript. You're saying that the things are underfunded in the States and stuff. I mean, in terms of how you're going to use the film in future, are you going to um, maybe do charity events for this film, maybe charity screens to sort of get the thing out there? Because I, I think this is a movie I'm going to be thinking about for some time to come, because there have been movies for, about drugs in the past, like Tequila Sunrise, Panic and Needle Park. This, to me, was refreshingly sincere, but there had to be drug scenes, but I think that this was very sensitively handled, and it's a movie about love, it's about passion, all kinds of things, so I just wanted to ask more about that. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. I, I think Jeremy and Didi can talk more about it. I, I do know that we're, we're, we are going to bring out to high schools and to uh, suburbs, and, and Nick and Timmy are, are, are going to yeah, go and present it to a very young audience, too. We've, 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 we've seen it play to young people who want to go see it with their parents. We, we've seen parents who want to go see it with their, with their kin, <coughs> children. And, and, and start conversations after that. So that's, you know, that was the goal and we feel that that's really happening. So we're grateful and working hard to, to get it further out there. I think the only thing I'd add, which is, uh, it's valuable, it's been interesting for us to all learn and I think it's really valuable to share with you. This is a ground game. I mean, it, it, we, we can't do it in the sort of normal movie way. It, 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 every single person who sees it, every single person who they speak to about it, what schools Timmy and Nick are going to go to? They're going to show it to, bring it to schools. We did a screening in D.C. with an editor of a newspaper who's lost a child in the last year. It feels very. Um, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced insofar as it feels genuinely communal, and that the method the method of sharing is really me to you to you. And, and so that's why you guys being here tonight is. It, Really and truly, we're so grateful because it, it, every one of your voices matters. Uh, thanks very much. I really, really enjoyed it. I had a question about the soundtrack. The soundtrack was really good all the way through, but who thought of using the Henrik Goreski at the end, which just completely floored me. If I wasn't already on the floor, that put me... <laughs> it was just brilliant it used. Um, uh, so the idea for the, the soundtrack... Uh, was really inspired by, by David and Nick's book and their eclectic taste. They, um, uh, uh, Nick grew up with a lot of music. Um, they shared a lot of you know, uh, uh, passion for, for, for great music and very diverse music. And so uh, you know, organically, it found its way into the script. And, and, and hence, you know, we got the Nirvana moment and, and David singing Beautiful Boy for, uh, for Little Nick as a lullaby. Um, uh, and so I always knew I wanted to work with a lot of great songs throughout the film, um, but we weren't going all the way. We weren't going all the way. During the post-production, we realized that we, 
were combining it with, with a score that was made for this film, and it wasn't just, it wasn't, it wasn't working enough, it wasn't bold enough, it wasn't talking enough about the characters. Um, and Nico Lunen, who is my editor, who, with whom I've done all my films, um, and who's an amazing collaborator, uh, uh, pushed me to, to drop the score and to only go for, uh, for existing songs and to turn them into, uh, turn them into a score. And that's how we started working while we were editing. And, and yeah, we realized we were, um, with this movie, we were making the soundtrack, uh, by using these songs, we were making the soundtrack of David and Nick's lives. And, and the Goretzky piece is um, actually uh, is, is, is a piece of music that I got to know through Nico a couple of years ago. And so I brought it on. And then he had the genius idea to put it at the very end and to let it play out. For um, well, it's a beautiful testament to life, uh, to recovery, and to living. Um, thank you for sharing your life. And thank you for making I thank you, Nick, David, Timothy, Steve, Jeremy, Dee Dee, Luke. And Felix. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.